Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Laura Morietti completed a master's degree in clinical nutrition as well as her didactic program in clinical dietetics at New York University's Steinhardt School of Education, Department of Nutrition and Food Studies. She completed her dietetic internship at New York Presbyterian Hospital, and she worked as the primary nutrition therapist at Columbus Park Collaborative and Appleman Nutrition in New York City. In 2015, Laura relocated to Boston from New York City to join the sports medicine team at Boston Children's Hospital, where she is also the dietitian for the female athlete program. Her passion lies in educating athletes on how to properly fuel their bodies for optimum health and performance. She possesses a specialty in sports performance-based nutrition, as well as treating low energy availability, disordered eating, and eating disorders in athletes. Laura has an extensive amount of experience in consulting and collaborating with Olympic and professional athletes, local colleges and universities, as well as professional sport and dance facilities. She also is a consulting RD for the Boston Ballet Company in school, as well as an instructor at the Institute of Rowing Leadership. Laura is an active member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, International Academy of Eating Disorders, Massachusetts Dietetic Association, Collegiate and Professional Sport Dietitian Association, the American College of Sports Medicine, the International Association for Dance, Medicine, and Science, co-chair of the Academy Eating Disorder Sport and Exercise Special Interest Group, and the SCAN Dietetic Practice Group for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. When Laura has a little bit of free time, she's a competitive triathlete, Boston Marathon qualifier and finisher, as well as avid skier. Welcome, wow. Laura. Whew. Busy gal. You set the <laughs> Thank tone you there. so much, ladies. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> well, we're very excited. Sorry for all that. <laughs> so, we want to be able to share with everybody how awesome you are. Yeah, that's the whole point <laughs> awesome. of you being on. We need to spread all of the women doing good work out there. Right. <laughs> so let's kind of jump into um, what got you in the career path that you chose as a dietitian and any specific stories that inspired you. Sure, sure. Well, I think I sort of took an interesting path. Um, when I was younger, I always was interested in medicine and, and the health sciences. So um, I actually started off school studying exercise science um, and then actually changed my major over to economics after an internship in my dad's office. Um, just a slight change, right? Um, <laughs> and so graduated college, actually was an undergrad in economics and worked for a few, for a few years, um, did, did the Wall Street game for a few years and then oh. decided that, you know, this is, this is really not where my heart is. Um, I was really looking for that fulfillment and really leaving the office every day feeling like I've, I've made a, made a difference, uh, in someone's life. So I sort of found that passion again for, for the health sciences and 
decided to pursue my dietetic, my dietitian credentials and, and go back to NYU. And like I said, it had really been this underlying passion for most of my life. And, and I always joke that I was potty trained on the side of the soccer field. Uh, <laughs> I have two older brothers. So literally sports since a very young age, since as far back as I can remember, has always been been a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were certainly times in my own life where um, I had my own struggles with, with fueling, um, fueling for sport. So I think that even furthermore helped me hone in on the fact that, you know, this nutrition piece for me is something that I personally had struggled with. Um, so I felt that, you know what, I have a lot to give in this area. And, you know, it's, it's, I always say now I really do have my dream job. I can't see myself doing anything else. Um, so really I would say, you know, some just general interests plus some personal experiences that really led me down this path. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you and a triathlete too, so which I can't imagine fueling for like three sports back to back versus yeah. just one. So, tell us how you juggle career and training with how you balance nourishing yourself when you're training with your knowledge as a dietitian. Sure, absolutely. I will say it's not; it is not always easy, mm-hmm. um, and I will say that my training, the amount I train, has certainly shifted over the years. Um, when I worked my job in New York, I had a much more flexible schedule. I was able to jump in the pool at noon. I was able to go different times of the day. And, you know, as my career has really taken off here in Boston, it has certainly um, provided some challenges, but those that I've welcomed. Um, I think it's really about extremely uh, focused time management. So, you know, for me, though, this really putting the time into my career right now, I think that that is really kind of taken a bit of the driver's seat. Um, I work with a wonderful coach, too, who also happens to be a registered nurse. So she also really values um, rest and balance. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say that the intensity of my schedule has certainly decreased uh, from years in the past um, and really trying to focus in on that balance. So it does mean that some days I am scheduled to train and I've had a long day at work the day before. You know, it's not unusual for me to put in a 12-hour day and then that will become a rest day. So I think I'm really, um, this is part of my last answer for you guys today, but I really <laughs> do try and, and prioritize that that aspect of self-care. Um, and it's taken me sort of realizing that, you know what, my my training uh, has to take a bit of a backseat right now. And it's, you know, that, that part of things and that balance, um, I don't think I could do it all at, you know, the highest level of intensity. It's sort of like things kind of shift around um, in different in different times of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the nourishment piece of that, um, I mean, I, I obviously prioritize that and, you know, just keeping myself fueled and also adjusting to, you know, when I am building up for a race, I have a, I have a pretty big race coming up in a month, just understanding um, my body's own fueling needs and that my needs do increase significantly. I always laugh at how much my grocery bills go up um, mm-hmm. when uh, when the intensity of my training does. You know, I talk to my athletes all the time about, you know, I always compare my the body to a car. So I say the more you're driving it, the more fuel you need to put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, you know, making sure that I'm checking in with my primary care doctor um, or having the benefit of working in a, in a sports clinic. Um, mm-hmm checking on my iron levels, checking on my labs just to make sure that, that I'm sort of 
keeping all my levels in check, um, supplementing if I need to, but, you know, also just listening to the body and, and um, you know, trying to avoid that burnout, taking those rest days, um, and listening if any part of my body is nagging and needs, and needs some rest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would summarize that by saying it's, it's definitely not easy, um, and then at different points in, in my career, things have sort of um, shifted with the amount I've been able to do. What does Funan look like a month before a workout? Are you ramping up right now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I have a half Ironman in a month, so oh it's um, we are really in sort of my last uh, last build period here. So um, it depends on what time of the day that I'm training. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, uh, I was in the pool this morning, so I try. You know, I don't wake up too far in advance of a of a morning swim workout, um, so I try to take in some easily digested carbs before a workout. So this morning was, was a cliff bar um, and a little bit of coffee, naturally. Of course. Um, so, <laughs> very important. I uh-huh. feel like I walk around with bars and all sorts of things in my bag at all times. Um, I can I can ima- I guess that's good preparation for motherhood someday, right? Always oh, yeah. Have bars and coffee. Bag. <laughs> but yeah, I typically always have some sort of those, um, the closer to the workout, easily digested uh, carbs, which typically for just the ease of carrying bars around and things like that. That's typically what it is for those morning mm-hmm. training sessions. and Or even in the, if it's an afternoon training session, I typically do something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Um, so as a dietitian in the eating disorder community, give us some insight into that culture, that triathlon world, and why there seems to be so much disorder yet really minimal attention. Running's finally getting it, but it seems yep. like still in triathlon world, I'm probably, am I saying that right? The tri world, yep. um, it's yep. it's still off the radar. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there it is a sport um, that certainly I've seen a, a high prevalence of um, clinical eating disorders, but also a significant amount of subclinical um, eating disorders going on. And, you know, part of the reason I think, I think the sport, I mean, any endurance sport, um, but triathlon in particular does seem to attract uh, a lot of sort of more type A personalities, uh, guilty here at times. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, and I think that overexercise can certainly hide uh, within the sport, um, I've worked with many triathletes uh, in, in my career, and I think people like uh, Chrissy Wellington that spoke out and wrote, wrote her book a few years ago, which is, you know, really great uh, insight into the world of triathlon and her own struggles with, uh, with her bulimia. And so, you know, I, I think as the sport grows in popularity, which we are seeing, I mean, from when I started racing about 10 years ago, um, I've really seen it start to explode. So I do think as more and more people are getting involved, it might warrant more attention. And, and I'm hoping to see more people speaking out about that. Um, I'm really trying to shift the culture. I know I'm trying to do that. Um, I give a lot of talks to different uh, triathlon teams and clubs. Uh, I just gave one to my own team here in Boston about a week ago, and I'm just really speaking on, you know, the dangers of any sort of fad dieting. I feel like we see a lot of that um, in triathletes, plus the aspect of the power weight ratio, um, athletes trying to get down to race weight, and sometimes taking some very questionable practices in order to do that. Um, so again, I'm hoping to really see as the sport is continuing to grow in popularity that it does start to gain a little more attention um, mm-hmm. into what could be hiding, you know, behind some of the training for a lot of the athletes. 
Mm-hmm. Love it. Absolutely. And they're going to be more inclined to listen to you because you have the background as the dietitian, sports dietitian. Exactly. And exactly. your competitive triathlete. So. Mm-hmm. And role yep. modeling, too, yeah. needing to fuel for yep. um, just endurance sports in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. Yeah, I think it does give a lot of sort of street cred. Um, and I think it does with my patients as well that they know that, yeah, I'm I'm in the sport. Um I do it, and uh, these are the challenges. These are things I'm seeing. I, I, it was funny at my training weekend about two weeks ago. I had I always seem to be watched <laughs> when I'm <laughs> when I'm at meals, and inevitably you get the comment, mm-hmm. "Aren't you a dietitian?" I said, "Yes, I am a dietitian. That's why I eat all of you know. I eat a wide variety of foods. I have no restrictions on my diet, um, and I try to really you know practice what I preach. And I think that's evident in anyone that's that's ever been around me, particularly around a meal." So, yeah. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit more about um, your private practice. Congrats on starting that. Tell us a little bit more about what you're specializing in and what you're seeing there. Sure, sure. So, my private practice really is an extension of the type of work I'm doing um, here at the Female Athlete Program. I'm I do also perform um, just performance based nutrition too. So, it's still my entire practice is um, is focused on athletes. I see males and females. I, my youngest patient has been seven. Um, wow. And I did more work with the parents in that case, mm-hmm. but it was around a competitive, well, which is kind of uh, interesting to hear someone at that age referred to as a competitive athlete. Um, so I was doing a lot more work with the parents in that instance. Um, but my oldest, I have two patients right now that are in their 60s training for Ironman, um, <laughs> which has been interesting because there's been a lot of other sort of medical complications that they've, they have. Um, so it's really, really doing the sports nutrition aspect, but also really clinical, um, clinical side and in, in paying attention to other, um, other issues that have been going on for them. So I really see all different athletes of all different ages. The specialty, I stay true to my, you know, my passion, which is really the energy deficiency in sport, um, triad, uh, low energy availability. That's really what I like to focus on. But I see, I mean, you name the type of athlete, I've probably seen them, um, equestrians, runners, plenty of dancers, gymnasts, uh, fencing athletes. So I really do see a lot of athletes um, from all different types of sports all different types of ages and it is it is a small private practice right now but I will look to be uh to be growing that mm-hmm. so that Exciting. should hopefully in the you know as I'm, again it's a time management issue so just figuring out um you know how many days to be at the hospital and how many days to be in private practice which I'm sure many people can can relate mm-hmm. to that uh trying to figure that out and trying to figure out the balance there Balance. Um, but it's fun. It's been a it's been a fun practice and fun designing a logo and a website. I have an amazing intern that's been helping me out a lot. So, so it's been fun. I'm really I'm really excited about it. It's sort of like my my baby right now. <laughs> Did you create your own logo? I was just going to say that was like the cutest thing, isn't it? The the spokes are a beat. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. I've always loved beats um, since I was a little kid, and uh, yeah, cycling. Um, I just I worked hard with a with a logo designer, and she just we went through several rounds of it. But I sort of had this abstract idea of what I wanted to do, and she really she really brought it to life. So I, I have to say I'm, I'm a bit in love with my uh, with my logo. Oh, I love it too. So I can understand. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I love some cute marketing. I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for it. So, oh, me too. Got to put that on some totes and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, which kind of brings us to our last question, which we ask every interviewee of, you know, you talked a lot about balance um, today, which we appreciate. You know, that's what we're Absolutely. all about. So how do you live out the fit philosophy of balancing performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self? Sure, sure. Well, I absolutely, I, I love, I love the, uh, you know, what the, the letters symbolize. And when I was preparing for this um, interview yesterday, I was, my boyfriend was asking me about what the, what the letters stood for. Um, and I just, I think they all fit together so nicely. Um, and it's, it's pretty easy to, to talk about them. Um, so I think performance, you know, I consider that in sort of two arenas. You know, it's, it's my athletic performance, but also my performance, um, my performance at work. Um, and just mm-hmm. how I'm working with my patients. And again, I think really making sure that I'm, again, this goes into the self-care point too, and time for self, it's making sure that I'm sleeping, right? If I'm, if I'm not getting to bed in time, waking up at 5.30 to train is probably going to lead me to not be at my sharpest during the day. Mm-hmm. So I really do prioritize how, you know, my own, my own rest and just my own um, ability to be present and whether that's out on my bike or out on the run um, or here sitting with my patients, I really try to be present and focused on where I am. Um, so that does involve kind of taking a step back um, and looking at the day and, and, again, balance. That word seems to be coming up a lot today for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, health, again, I think that this really loops into just making sure that, you know, we're nourishing our bodies throughout the day and that we're really practicing what we preach, right? I encourage my athletes to be fueling throughout the day and fueling every few hours and planning ahead if you know you're going to have a busy day and staying hydrated um, and going to regular checkups um, with with my physicians, with my primary care as well as sports, um, sports medicine. And I, and I also do think of health in, in terms of, of relationships. Um, so making sure that I'm spending time, um, you know, with, with my boyfriend and with my uh, two beautiful nieces and, you know, with my family. So I think that's sort of health and relationships mm-hmm. um, and really prioritizing and, and friendships, of course, as well. So um, I really value my family and my friends um, and all those relationships. And I, and I really do think that, you know, sometimes when, when work can feel like it's getting away from us a little bit or sort of, you know, the stress levels come in, those are really the people that I'm going to, to, to kind of help me get through those times too. So I want to make sure that I'm there for them as well. Um, and intellect, I mean, always learning. One of, one of the recommendations I give whenever I'm asked, especially for new dietitians, it's, I always say never stop learning. Mm. Um, I'm lucky enough to also be in an academic environment and, and learning from a lot from our medical director here too, Dr. Ackerman, who I know you had on, on the podcast a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, but this is, is really, you know, I go to as many conferences as I can and, and I try to learn from other dietitians. And, you know, I always say none of us, none of us know everything, right? And there's always new things to learn. Um, so I'm really passionate about the learning piece and, and just really staying on top of current research. Um, and this year I'm going to be going in and doing, um, going to be the PI on my first research study this year oh, too. Oh, so, Congrats. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm really starting to work into that realm as well. Um, but never stop learning. That's, that is certainly, I think, a lifelong lesson for anyone. And then lastly, that time for self, like I've mentioned, that, that self-care piece. Um, I am very focused on trying to get at least, I try to sleep at least seven to eight hours um, every night. Nine would be amazing, but um, not always possible. But definitely I try to really be around that eight-hour mark um, 
and I at least one day a week wake up with with no alarm. Um, I have no children at this point in time, so I understand that might change in the future. <laughs> yes, but, yes, yes. but uh, yeah, I'm really big on sleep, um, mm-hmm. and I've learned to say no to some things too, which I think has yeah. been really hard. Yeah. Um, but figuring out when you feel like it's okay to push yourself to do something, and whether that's a social event or training. Um, or, you know, going, going out to, again, any sort of social event, it's, it, I really learned to say when, when is it, when am I putting too much on my plate? Um, and I get, I get a massage, uh, um, once, one a month, um, which is wonderful. And I'm laughing because I'm very big. Dr. Ackerman would, would appreciate this as well. I'm very big on my, my manicures and my pedicure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that feels like my major self-care time where I can't have my phone out. I put it away. Um, but yeah, I'd say I've worked really hard on the self-care piece, and I really do try to to stay on top of that, um, take a step back as needed. I really appreciate you pointing out that relationships aspect when it comes to health, because we talk here a lot of about that over-exercise or obligatory exercise, and when training gets too much, because it takes away from our time with others, we're developing a relationship with exercise versus um, actually people. So we haven't talked about that very much. So thank you for pointing that out. That is a very important aspect of balance. For sure. For sure. Well, also like how you talked about the two arms of performance is that many times Mm -hmm. if we're so deplete, then I often joke with my clients that you're not going to like it if I start yawning in front of you as you're pouring out your heart to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) you got to stay present and awake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially in the work that we're all doing. It's, I mean, it's it's tiring work too. You know, it's right. it's, it's wonderful work, but it really does. You know, I was at a talk once, um, and our work was described as saying that we go up and down an emotional ladder with with every patient we see in a day. So if you're seeing eight patients, when you're really there and you're really invested with them, you're sort of going up and down a ladder with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. So, yeah, it's important to recognize that. And something else my coach has taught me, my sort of, I just actually posted about this on Instagram yesterday, this idea of, you know, that, that rest and emotional stress and mm-hmm. work stress are just as hard as, as the athletic training stress. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this yesterday. I was just starving all day long, and yep. I was just really sitting with clients all day. But you're right. I was running up and down an emotional ladder all day yesterday. Yep. Yep. <laughs> how, yep. to yep. my, how to fuel my brain and body. You yep. made <laughs> such great points, Laura. Thanks so much for being on. We appreciate all the knowledge and what you're doing out there. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Bet. Good and luck next yeah, month. Yeah, good luck on the on the big um, event coming up. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, talk to you later. Bye, Laura. Okay, great. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Queens. Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.